Turn with me to the book of Genesis. Pretty simple, right at the beginning. So just open up your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab the one in the seat back in front of you. I don't have it on the screen today, so you'll want to read along with me however you get your Bible, whether it's on an app, on a phone or an iPad, or uh, in the book form. But you can grab the one in the seat back in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, we want you to take one. The one right there in the seat back in front of you, that is yours. It is our gift to you. And we hope that you will read and come back with lots of questions. For those of you who can, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Scriptures? Genesis 28. And we're beginning at verse 10. Genesis 28, beginning at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it, or some of your translations, and I think this is a better Hebrew translation, there beside him stood Yahweh. And he said, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely Yahweh is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel which means house of God. Though the city used to be called Lutz. Let's pray and ask God to bless the reading and teaching of His Word. Father, take this story of Jacob's ladder, one that we many of us have heard many times over, and make it fresh for us. And for those of us who are new to this story, help it to come alive in a way that helps us understand you and us, and what You are calling us to from this ancient story. For we pray all these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So it's always around this time of year that um, I, I start thinking about Jacob. I don't know what that is. I think some of it may be because uh, it's getting near the anniversary time of becoming your pastor. And uh, whether you remember this or not, I'm sure most of you don't. In fact, some of you weren't even here then. Uh, I actually preached to you before I became your pastor. A couple of years, actually, before I became your pastor. I was here and uh, for my brother's wedding, which took place right here. And my dad asked, 
would you preach while uh, you're here? And I said, sure, why not? Uh, I think I'll be over jet lag by then. We were coming from Ireland uh, to here. And I preached on the story of Jacob and Jacob wrestling. Now, we're going to get there in a few weeks, but we're going to take some time to just kind of go through Jacob's story. So if, if this is unfamiliar to you, I'll kind of get us caught up as we move towards this story in particular that we just read. And then after that, we will, in the next couple of weeks, we'll see what happened to Jacob after this great event, this God moment that he had. So in our story, Jacob uh, is born, and we hear actually the story before uh, they were born, and uh, he was a twin, although uh, they didn't, they looked nothing alike. Uh, the Bible tells us in Genesis 25 that uh, their mom said there were there were there was just such a struggle going on. Um, we have. We have some twins here. Know that, that that takes up a lot of space just to begin with. And then she was saying it was like they were wrestling around, what is going on inside of me? And God says, there are actually two nations within you. And she's like, yeah, amen. <laughs> uh, it feels like two nations. But she, God talked about the struggle that they would have. And in fact, um, when the first was born, the Bible says he came out and he was red and hairy. I don't know if that's the missing link or what, but, uh, and so he was named Red, which is Esau, maybe the world's first ginger. Uh, and, and so, uh, was brought into the world. But, hanging on to his heel was Jacob. The next baby. It was almost like they were still fighting. You're not getting out of here without me. And Jacob comes out, and so he is named Yaakov, which means heel grabber. It's also a Jewish Yiddism that means deceiver. Someone who grabs your heel. We might today call them used car salesmen. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pre-owned car salesmen, you know. Uh, it, it is, it is, and, and Jacob uh, got this name, and he really lived up to it. And so, if you read in Genesis 25, uh, 29 to 34, and 26, 34 through 27, there's there's a story of these times where he lived up to his name as a heel grabber, as a trickster, as a uh, as a deceiver. And what he tended to do in his method of deceiving was that he would look for someone's weakness and exploit it for his own benefit. And so we first hear the story as now the boys are grown and one of them, Esau, is kind of a man's man. I mean, he's out there and he loves to hunt and he loves to to, to get wild game off the land and he brings it back and he prepares it. And he just, you know, oh, yeah. He's just man. And Jacob, we are told was somewhat of a homebody and liked to hang around the kitchen. He liked to cook and do those kinds of things. We find that there's some family tension that there that's there. Dad kind of likes the manly man Esau, and Mom kind of gravitates towards the baby, towards Jacob. And so we see this going on, and all of a sudden, Esau is out, and he's been on a long hunting trip, and evidently he didn't catch anything while he was out, because the Bible says he comes back in and he is starving. I mean, he is just famished. And Jacob is cooking something. 
And Esau says to him, I'm famished, just give me something before I die. And Jacob sees, ah, my manly man, strong brother, needs my help. Okay, I'll give you some soup and some bread, but you give me your birthright. You give me everything that's coming to you when dad passes away, because in our system, I get very little and you get it all. And Esau says, really, what good is a birthright to me if I'm dead? I need to eat like now. I don't know if you've ever been that hungry. We don't tend to get that hungry nowadays. But he needed sustenance right now. And Jacob said, I can take advantage of this. And so he gets the birthright and gives him for a pot of stew and a piece of bread. Later on, uh, the dad doesn't know this whole arrangement. And so it's getting, he's getting old. In fact, it says Isaac is blind. So he gets his oldest son and says, go out and kill something, hunt something for me, bring me wild game, and we'll eat and I will give you the blessing, which means I'm going to give you everything. And Jacob, deceiver, takes his old blind dad, and with a little help from his mom, they dress up like Esau, and he pretends and he comes in and he kneels before his dad and says, here I am. He saw his dad's own weakness, his own blindness, and said, I can use this to my advantage, to my benefit. And he sneaks in and he steals the blessing. Now, in our day and age, you know, we, Esau would probably come in with an army of attorneys and they would overturn it and all that. It didn't work that way back then. Maybe, it, maybe that was a smoother time. But when Isaac blessed Jacob and not Esau, it was done. And Esau was furious to the point of wanting to kill Jacob. And so Jacob does what all little babies do. They run away. (laughs) And he runs, and that's where we catch up with him in the story. He is running away. Oh, it's under the guise of, I've got to find a wife. And so I'm going to go to land where my family knows the lay of the land and knows me. And I'm going to go there for a while. But it's really, i got to get away from Esau because I'd like to live long enough to enjoy the blessing I just stole and the birthright I got for a bowl, some, some soup and some bread. And so he's out there. We're not even told where. It just says he arrived at some place. Open your Bibles. You can look right there. We see that he runs away. And he has this encounter with God. So he leaves Beersheba, sets out for Haran. That's where his family lives. When he reached a certain place. Translation, the sticks. He's out. He's not in a city. He is out, 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 way out. And there, the sun has set. And he takes a stone. And he put it under his head to lay down to sleep. There he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth and the top resting in heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, I read this in the translation. Uh, There are some of your translations that will say there above it, above the ladder, way up in heaven. But I honestly think the better translation, and some of your translations will, will have a little note off to the side, is, or there beside him. 
I think it is actually closer to the Hebrew understanding of the word. And it, it corrects something that I think we have a tendency to do. And that is to think that God is way up there. And not right down here. So the first part of this encounter with God that Jacob has is we have to understand that God is here and present. We're going to get to that in just a moment. We don't have this God who is way up off there just kind of observing things from afar and getting angry when we do the wrong thing and getting overjoyed when we do the right thing and we never see what is going on to begin with. No, the Bible makes it plain right here beside him. In all of his tricking, in all of his deceiving, in all of the ways that he took advantage of other people for his own benefit, God is right there beside him. And God does some things. So let's look at God's actions first, alright? God's actions first, we've just talked about, is that he stands beside Jacob. He stands beside the heel grabber. This is not a God who is, is so far away and so distant and so removed or can't even look or be, uh, stand the sight of a deceiver, but is a God who moves toward and stands beside the one who is sleeping. In this, God says something else. The next part that God does is that God includes Jacob. We see this in the blessing, and that is actually the third action is God's blessing of Jacob. But I want to, I don't want to move too fast past the inclusion. Because what he says there to him, let's, let's read that right there in verse 13. He says, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Now, if you want to read this next verse, you can read it here, or you can read it in Genesis chapter 12, or you can read it in Genesis chapter 26. In Genesis 12, he says these exact same words to Abraham. In Genesis 26, he says this, these exact same words to Isaac, and now he's including Jacob. He says, Abraham and the God of Isaac, I will give you your descendants, the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the east and the west, the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised for you. So God stands beside Jacob. God includes Jacob. And from this point on, when God reveals God's self, God says the the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He gets included. And the blessing is the blessing that was given to Abraham, his grandfather, to Isaac, his dad, and now to him. That life will flow. God's restoration of all the earth will come about through this family, including Jacob, the deceiver. Now, something happens for Jacob as well. Uh, and Jacob has some responses to this dream. The first is that Jacob wakes up. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about like some of you need to do right now. But Jacob becomes fully awake to a few things that he has been sleeping through all his life. Number one being 
that while he was deceiving, while he was taking advantage of someone else's weakness for his own benefit, God was there. He, he says, what does he say? Um, he says right there, um, he awoke from his sleep and thought, surely Yahweh is in this place and I was not aware of it. Now, our tendency is to focus on the, on the specific, on the right here, right now. Surely, Yahweh was right here in this little bubble where I was sleeping, or actually He was standing, I guess, right over here, uh, in this, in this place. But really, the, the gist behind the whole thing is, Jacob wakes up to the fact that God is everywhere. And while I was thinking I had to take care of this little thing and take advantage of this person so that I could have some benefit, God was there. God saw that. God saw when I took the birthright. God saw when I tricked my own dad uh, in the midst of this. God was there and God was present. And then, so what, do, what does that lead him to? It leads him to be afraid. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. I, I'll never forget a time when I was driving home from university and uh, my parents lived about 14 hours away. I went to school in Nashville and uh, went, uh, they, my parents lived in Syracuse, New York. It was about a 14 and a half hour drive. And so I usually tried to find a friend who lived in Pennsylvania or somewhere and we could kind of go halfway. And, uh, and so we were, we were traveling and it was raining. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, there were two lanes going this way and we were going this way and two lanes coming this way. And all of a sudden, a little S10 pickup, hydroplanes, goes right in front of the car. And I did what I think most of us would do. <laughs> not thinking, not being fully awake, having driven along hours into Pennsylvania from Nashville, I swerved into oncoming traffic. <laughs> and swerved back in. Like nothing had ever happened. I thought that uh, the, the little truck had hit the front of my car, so I pulled over, looked, there was no damage, so we kept driving. It was almost like I was unconscious to the fact that I just drove into oncoming traffic. Until... I laid down to go to sleep that night, and all of a sudden, I was awakened by giant truck headlights right in front of me. It was as if I did all of that while I was asleep, and then realized there was a big presence of a big truck right in front of me. I woke up, and I didn't sleep another wink that night, because every time I closed my eyes, I saw headlights coming straight at me. I think this is something of what Jacob experienced. When he woke up from the dream and realized in that instance where I deceived, in that instance where I took advantage, in that instance, there was a presence there who saw all of those things. But something that had already taken place with God's actions then moves Jacob to worship. Because he probably as he's waking up and has this fearful moment of the presence of God that was in there the times I took advantage, he hears the voice again ringing in his ears that says, but I'm including you, Jacob. I am near you. Something different has to happen. But I'm including you. And all the world will be blessed through your line, through your family, through who you are. I don't know about you, but I know that I have my Jacob moments. Do you? 
Maybe right now while I'm talking, you're getting a little squirmy and you're just kind of like, I hope he doesn't talk about the ways that I've done that or put his finger on that moment or that time when I did that. Can I say to you good news today that God stands beside you? And can I say news that might be a little frightening to you? God stands beside you. But the words of blessing have already been spoken. Before you could make your confession, before you could do all of those things that you think will earn you God's love and respect and all those things, the words have already been spoken. You have only to live into them. And that is what Jacob does. He turns over a new leaf. Okay, it was really a rock. (laughs) The rock that he laid his head on He stands upright, and we are told in Scripture then, he pours oil of it, which is just a sign of God's presence, and says, this is the place I'm going to remember. Here's what's going to happen. And I know you're dying to know what happens after this. Because we have to continue through the story of seeing the transformation that God brings in this deceiver, in this tricky guy. But if you want to hear the rest of the story, you're going to have to come back next week. And probably the week after that. And maybe the week after that. But the good news for today is that where you are like Jacob, God is standing here today. Before we could do anything to earn God's love, a later writer would say, Christ died for the ungodly, for you, for me. You can't earn this. This is what we call grace. All I can say to you today is good news. If anything you think of lets you think, oh, but I've taken advantage. God stands still beside you. And God invites you to turn over a new rock. And to enter into a journey that will lead to great transformation. It's going to transform some things in your life. And I want to invite you to come back to hear the rest of the story. This is just the beginning of God's work in Jacob's life. So please come back. I think you'll enjoy what God does in Jacob's life. And you'll begin to see this. See why I love Jacob? What a great story. I love the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. This messed up family that God decides God's going to use to to redeem the world. Amazing. Let's bow our heads. I think that's a good place to end. Father, thank you that in our deceiving, in our taking advantage, You still stand beside us. You still invite us to participate in this world-transforming action that You are involved in. And because of Jesus, no matter what our nation, race, creed, or socioeconomic standing, we are invited to know You stand beside us. That You are in this place and You are in all places, everywhere, close as our very breath. So help my brothers and sisters today. Help us to know You are with us. Help us 
to be awakened to your presence all around us and help us to take the old rock that we're just sleeping on and to set it up, to turn it over in a way that signifies we are going to follow after you that we are going to allow You to transform us from the inside out. And we believe this and we trust this because of Jesus. And we pray all of these things in His great name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? I hope you'll come back. Make it a priority. Come. Hear the story. It's your story. It's my story. It's our story together. Hear what God will do to transform. And now, may you go into the presence of God. May you know that God is with you in your work, in your cubicle, at your desk in school as you drive, as you teach, and yeah, even as you pastor. I pray that you will know His presence and that you, every morning, will set up your life to lean into God's transformation. Go in God's peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.